the colleges, and I teach college, I teach university, and there's something you cannot do in the university. I was told right away, you cannot mention the word God. You cannot talk about God. You cannot talk about your 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 patriotic, you know, to your country. You know, you don't want to offend someone. You cannot call someone a mother or father. You have to use the word other, okay? Or certain, certain, very political. Well, the universities have corrupted the minds of our young people, and now they're adults today. Each man must for himself alone decide what is right and what is wrong, which course is patriotic and which isn't. You cannot shirk this and be a man. To decide against your conviction is to be an unqualified and excusable traitor, both to yourself and to your country. Let men label you as they may. Mark Twain Today, we are going to interview a man, ex-DA agent Larry Hadden. He's the author of Part of the Devil, Camino del Diablo. It is a story covering a period of five years. From 1991 to 1996, DA agent Larry Hadding and two private investigators spearheaded two separate simultaneous investigations in different locations in the United States that eventually merged. Together, they were determined to bring down the notorious Mexican cartel operating along the southwestern border of Arizona, California and Arkansas. Let's take in this great interview by Larry Hadden. Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode in Men of Purpose Talks, a podcast that will help you break the limitations in your life, which allows you to be a happier and more fulfilled you. Each week, we deliver the best hard-biting analysis from a range of topics with guests from around the world. I am your host, R. Irvin Padia. Administration, Special Agent, serving for 30 years, and currently teach criminal law for those coming into law enforcement. He runs his own private investigating business, LRH Investigators, and volunteer to visit military veterans, law enforcement agents, and officers in hospitals. He's a co-author of his first book about his work, Part of the Devil, and in Spanish, Camino del Diablo with Diane de Melil, Jeff Pierce, and Randy Tuggerson. His second book, also with Diane DeMille, Fighting My Greatest Enemy, Myself, is about his spiritual journey growing up in Kentucky, working in law enforcement, and keeping his faith. Welcome to Men of Purpose Talks, Mr. Larry Ray Hadden. Okay. Welcome to you. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I've been doing this for almost two years now, and every time I get a chance, I, I take the opportunity, and you're giving me the chance uh, to talk to your audience out there in this crazy world that we're living in today. Um, 
Yes, I am retired from DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration. I worked all over South America, more or less. Uh, a little bit in Venezuela, uh, Colombia, Mexico, uh, Peru, and uh, been chasing bad guys, and sometimes they chase me or us. Um, the reason how I got involved with these two books, the first one is uh, there's a, a particular name of a mountain uh, in Yuma, Arizona. It's called Camino del Diablo. Uh, in Spanish, is uh, it was a Spanish missionaries, the priests, that gave the name to the mountain because uh, they were traveling that mountain during the, during the hot summers to go through the desert, uh, through Mexico, up to Arizona, then California missionaries. Well, I named a case particular investigation after uh, this group of people that were working down in Mexico, and I call it Camino Diablo, which is the path of a devil. Uh, there is two books. Uh, the path of the devil is in English, and the other in Spanish, Camino Diablo. Uh, uh, there's also a podcast. We have audios. Now, people ask me, okay, the first book, when they read the book, we a lot of great feedback, a lot of positives. Uh, and, and like I said, I, before I never did want to do this. It was just my job, uh, as a DA agent. But when I had two PIs, private investigators, Randy Turkison and Jeff Pierce, Jeff Pierce is no longer alive today. He died a few months ago. He, uh, he got the coronavirus and he was 51 years old and, uh, it killed him. And, uh, but Diane DeMille, uh, she's a, a writer. Because uh, I am not an author, even though I have three books out now, I don't think I'm an author because uh, I write with the facts. Uh, it's nonfiction. I don't believe in fairy tales and little and little men with uh, red nose jumping in here and there. Uh, I still I, I stay with the facts. And that's that's why both these books I have now. It is. They are uh, true stories uh, of what happened on the border uh, with corruption in law enforcement. Uh, was very few that is general most people are very good but there's always that few that is very corrupted and uh, and you think they're in your country you think they're in Mexico they're in the United mm -hmm. States they're everywhere it just takes one person or two people that can really hurt uh, everybody especially when it's corruption and they give that kind of power uh, you know they say the first book path of the devil in Spanish Camino Diablo uh, people ask me a Christian view have you ever been uh, in a situation where you didn't meet the devil. And uh, people laugh because some people don't want to believe in it. That's fine. But they're going to find out someday there is a devil if they haven't learned that now. And there is a God. Uh, I know the devil very well. I met him in human beings' lives, the lives of other human beings, uh, of uh, hurting other people, hurting children, uh, women, men. And, uh, and uh, I had experience one time that uh, that I felt my body, uh, actually it wasn't my body, it took me, I had to realize it was my spirit that was on fire. It was horrifying. It was just something, I, I described it in the book, um, Path of the Devil. It was, one, it was a horrible feeling to lay there and you think that you're burning up alive. You really do. And, uh, but it wasn't my body. I woke up and I realized, wow, I was burning because I was suffocating. It was miserable. It was my spirit. Now I know, I do know that there is a hell. And of course, I was very fortunate later on that um, I had experience with Jesus Christ. Uh, you're talking to a drug agent, DEA, okay? Uh, I, I'm not 
I mean, whether you, your audience believe this or not, I I was uh, had an opportunity to be there uh, in the presence of someone that was being killed, uh, and it took me several years to realize it wasn't a, the, the the lies of the devil because he does work on our, our mind. Uh, Christ works in our spirit, which is in our heart, somewhere inside, but the devil's constantly is in our minds and confuses us. And uh, but uh, uh, when I was at this particular location. I seen the feet of a man on a pole, on a, on a wooden pole. Uh, it was horrifying. I, I was, it was just, there were scars all over him, you know. But um, I want to see his face. And uh, as I looked up slowly, when I got even near his face, I could not see his face. Uh, I saw the light. The light was brighter than the sun. The light is, is it was, it's an incredible experience, I felt. Uh, I could not see the face of the man on the cross. I just seen the light. I mean, it was beautiful. It didn't burn. It didn't scorch. It didn't do anything to me except knock me to my knees. I fell down to my knees. I realized later on in life because I am corrupted. I am full of sin and uh, not a problem with uh, the devil, but with that. So those are the two things uh, that I know that I'm on the right path. Uh, it's it's not easy, but you are talking to someone that, that uh, worked narcotics uh, and seeing other parts of the country throughout the world, seeing the suffering along the coast of the Mediterranean coast, uh, seeing the people coming out of Africa, how they're trying to get away from what's happened to them there. Uh, they speak English. Uh, I mean, it's incredible, uh, a lot better than a, a lot of Americans. And uh, their dream is to come to America. And uh, and those, are, those will be great Americans because I've met them in the United States. It's usually people that came from other countries that come into our country, if they do it the legal, you know, the right way, they will become great Americans uh, because they, they're, they're going to do it the right way because they love, they just, they just love the opportunities they have. So yeah. you've got questions, please ask me. If not, I can sit here and talk to you for the next 35, 40 minutes. Uh, but I want you to ask questions. Yeah. In your book, Part of the Devil, Camino del Diablo is a story of, true events that you said that took place between 1991 to 1996. You are DEA agent Larry Hadden and two private investigators like what you just mentioned were determined to bring down the Miraz organization along the southwestern border. Um, it says here for five years you spearheaded two separate investigations in different locations. Um, and it, it eventually emerged, the investigation eventually emerged. The Mirazes attempted murder of two DEA agents in the 1970s were connected to the murders of Kiki Camino, um, Michael, Jose, Montoya, and a, a couple other people. But you were determined to indict the Mirazes. Why? Why did you have that passion to indict this organization? Well, you're, ta you're talking a few years ago, but today, I don't know if these, these, the organization is still alive or not, but I can assure you they have family members, okay? They're American citizens. They're lawyers. They're police officers. They're in the system. Uh, the reason why I took this passionately when I first got to Arizona is that Don Ware and Roy Stevens were two D agents that were kidnapped, more or less, down in San Luis Sonoro, Mexico. And uh, behind that was the brothers. They were uh, almost died 
Uh, what saved their lives was a 38 special, a pistol. Uh, it's all in the book. It, I described it. I took it very seriously, a very passion. Uh, it wasn't so much the organization down in Mexico that I was having problems with. Uh, I was having problems with corruption at the ports of entry. You know, when people enter into a country, they got to go through checkpoints, uh, security. Well, that's where my problem was. It was because, not because of the Mexican corruption, it's because there was corruption I was dealing with from U.S. citizens, Americans that were in law enforcement that were at the port of entries. And, uh, and everybody knew that. Everybody in my organization, in my different agency, we knew that. Okay? But uh, I took it <laughs> and I took it because of uh, Don Warren and Roy Stevens. But uh, the brothers that are there, they're no different from anyone else. Okay? Uh, when I say that, they're, they're nothing. They could be from Colombia. They could be from Puerto Rico. They could be part of your country. The reason why these brothers I target because they were connected to the attempted murders, you know, tried to kill two DEA agents. And, uh, and I just got involved with that. But my, my, I'm going to tell you something. My biggest problem there was not them or anyone else. It was the corruption that I was dealing with. And I, I identified the people that was working there. But, of course, yeah. you know, no one doesn't know. Yeah. In your book, I'm seeing you got forwarded by several DEA past agents, um, FBI agents, um, followed by Michael Levine, a New York Times bestselling author. Good year. Um, but one very interesting um, forward you got from a man called Donald D. Trump. That's right. All the right. President of the United States. He said, right. Larry is the real deal. Not only does he get endorsed by several well-distinguished Lord agents. But he said that, I am truly grateful for your service to your community. It's an honor to serve as your president and to work each day to improve the lives of the American people. Your encouragement inspires me and gives me great hope for the future of our nation. How does it feel to be endorsed by your president? Well, actually, he uh, let me explain this about the book itself. I sent a book to him, to the president of the United States. And now in reality, did he read the book? I, I just don't think so. I think what happens, there's so many books that goes to the White House, a lot of books, and they have to screen them very careful. Take a look, make sure there's no propaganda, evil, you know, evil stuff, uh, anything that could be filthy and nasty. So someone actually did took the book uh, and they read the book. And they went to him and said, look, this book here, and they told him about the book. In other words, it took someone that works with him very closely. And he takes the word of whoever's reading those books because he's probably getting a thousand books a day. Who knows? But someone actually yeah. read the book and, uh, and he sent a nice, it was a nice letter. Uh, yes, it was. Any other president? No, I, I don't think they would take the time. But this, that's why he's doing so well. He's going to do very well for this country. And, uh, and uh, and I'm a strong, uh, you know what, working narcotics, working the border. Uh, you know, let me ask you something, and you probably heard of this. You know, I had someone the other day on the radio show ask me, call, just ask me a question. Said, you know, my son was an attorney. Uh, he worked for the administrator administration. Talk about Trump administration. He resigned and quit because he didn't like to see the children in cages at the port of entry. I told her, I said, ma'am, those children that comes into the country at the southwest border of, of uh, wh whatever, 
Arizona, Texas, whatever, ma'am, they're not cages. And by the way, that's that was started by the last administrator, okay, that was in, okay, Obama. But they're not cages. Those kids are protected inside there. They, they're getting three meals a day. They're getting their medical shots. They're getting a dream come true, even though they're inside this compound. Uh, they're coming from a world that, that a lot of these kids are they're street children. They're by themselves. And here they made a way to America. They're getting three meals a day, going to school. I mean, they're getting everything they want. You understand that? I, I talked yeah. to someone that was from Africa, from Nigeria. Was he from Nigeria? I can't recall the other day. And, uh, and I told him, just like I'm talking to you, I explained to him, I said, look, he had an accent. And he's, he's an American citizen now. And I asked him, I said, so what part of Africa? He told me he was from South Africa. But when he finally told me where he was from, from he agreed with me, okay, 100% of what children and women go through, okay, because of so-called of, of certain religion and so on. And, uh, and I told him. His name was Ben Hamin. That's his name. And I told him, I said, you are a great American. And I really mean that. Uh, and I don't say that very loosely because uh, I have people that I know that came to this country. They did it right way and they're very successful and they're great Americans. Yeah. But the books are books itself. I, I'm hoping someone will make a movie out of it someday. Uh, it's uh, that would be great. I, well, the path of the devil, uh, it's it's. It talks about corruption. And the other one there is uh, fighting my greatest enemy. Uh, I tell you what, have your audience take a look at my website, my podcast. Okay. It's fighting my greatest enemy. They're going to hear a voice. It's my voice. Okay. And it makes it people that are listening to it now, they, they, they like it because it's not an actor. It's the real person that wrote the book. And it's his voice. Yeah. And, I, and it just comes across with a lot of passion, just like I'm talking to you, to you now about it. So there's nothing special about me, it, it, not at all. Uh, if I ever get any kind of bad reviews, if someone say this is full of crap or whatever, then I will go away and enjoy the rest of my life, okay? Which I'm very fortunate that I'm doing it now uh, with the PI business, with hospice. Um, but there's something's pushing me uh, to go out and talk about the book. And you are doing that today. You're giving me an opportunity. But I hope your audience take a look at the website. It lays everything there where you can buy the books. They're real cheap if you want to. If not, listen to the podcast. Or maybe tell us the name of the website again. It's Larry. It's it's all together. It's www.larryrayharden.com. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm, and, I'm on it right now. Yes. Yeah. This is really Wait. this is really kind of you to do this today. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope there, you know, whatever happens, I hope it comes out well, uh, for you. Yes. Uh, I don't, I, I'd rather see you in person. Maybe who knows, maybe someday I will. Uh, Have it, you ever been to Trinidad? No. Have you ever been to the Caribbean? I, I went to Don Rip one time. That's probably the closest. I've been to Puerto Rico, uh, Don, what do you call it? Dominion, uh, uh, Republic of, uh, <laughs> we call it Don Rip, D Domingo. What is it? Don Rip. But anyway, I went there. And, uh, yes, yes. We, I got a habit of calling Don Rip. I've been, well, but I've been to Puerto Rico several times, been on the coast of there in Cartagena. Uh, I know the Caribbean dance very well, which I don't do it. It's too dangerous for me. <laughs> I am happily married. So I had to really stay away from that Caribbean dance. It's too, it's just too, uh, it's too aggressive. 
and uh, it's not a good, it's not a good position to be in, uh, you know, if you're married or or you don't want to fall in temptation. Yeah. Um, Larry, can you tell me something? You were in law enforcement. You you teach law enforcement currently. You are a private investigator. That's your business right now. Your president is a great supporter of law enforcement. But why does it seem like America is just going crazy with the level of disrespect that is shown towards um, law enforcement on the streets? This has been going on for a long time, okay? It just didn't start it. It started in our schools. I had a, just, just, just give you an example because of the, the change of the young people today. The colleges, and I teach college, I teach university, and there's something you cannot do in the university. I was told right away, you cannot mention the word God. You cannot talk about God. You cannot talk about your, your, your patriotic, you know, to your country. You know, you don't want to offend someone. You cannot call someone a mother or father. You have to use the word other, okay, or certain, certain, you, very political. Well, the universities have corrupted the minds of our young people, and now they're adults today. It's like almost like Pablo Escobar, if you ever heard of Pablo, uh, out of Colombia yeah. many years ago. Yeah. Also, when you look in the history, they take young people, young people, if you can train them quickly, okay, while their minds are still young and developed, if you can train them quickly, they will be the best soldiers that you can ever have, okay? They will learn how to qu kill quickly. They can kill you as they're eating your sandwich, your bocadilla or whatever. Same with the young people today. This president that we're having, it's all about politics. The Democrat Party is not the Democrat Party that I knew. They're not the same anymore, okay? Conservative values and so on. It's all about power. It's all about destroying the country to become a socialist like Venezuela or a, a communist country. That is not who we are. That is not what people like you that want to come to America and look at America. You know, we have so much. And... And God knows what he's doing, okay? There's a reason why this president is there right now. Is he perfect? No. Hey, is anyone perfect? What, what about a brother? Thousands of years ago, a brother, he came, from two, he came from parents that were created by God, but that brother picked up a rock, didn't his brother, all right? No one's perfect. There is sin in this world and always will be. And that's why Jesus Christ came for you and I and all of us. You know, yes. you're, you're talking about a, you're talking to a professional person here, okay? And I know what it means when a friend of mine gets killed, or have to stay with his body for three days to make sure that his body will be okay, okay? Our two friends of mine that were killed by a corrupted cop, okay? I know. I, I met too many people, young, old, in the middle. It's full of hate and evil, okay? Because they just don't want to follow that path anymore. And uh, anyway, if you don't give me, uh, well, anyway, I don't get started. Ask me think, yes. <laughs> do you think, do you think it will change after the election? Uh, yes. Yes. It's going to change because he's going to stop this. He's going to stop this. He's going to stop for someone coming up. I, I tell you something, what's happened here in America. And, uh, and you can see that what's happened. Uh, I had a guy the other day, he was, a, a, had his ma master's degree. He was a black young man. He had a master's degree. He wants to join DEA. Now, he didn't tell me he was African-American, nothing like that. He said he was a black American. He was a black man, just like I'm a white man. And that tells me right away he's very proud of who he is. 
because he don't have to look outside this country to identify himself with somebody else. He's an American like I am. You'd be American if you came here. Well, anyway, he said that what he learned in Los Angeles, California, he realized that black people, young people, has been taken advantage of. A lot of them that graduate from high school and go on to college, if they go, 75% or more cannot read and write. Okay? And where do you find a uh, majority of these young men on the streets or in homeless places? And this is the greatest country in the world. But there's people out there are taking advantage of the poor people. Okay? They give the poor something what they want. Free medical. It's not free medical. Yeah. Nothing's free. You know, if someone thinks they're poor, they're going to get free medical. They might get medical, but it's, gotta, it's not going to be the best for them. All right. And so that's what's happened here. No respect for authority. You know, a lot of them don't have parents. They don't have a father. You know, they got a mother. Who knows? But a lot of these guys, sports figures, uh, Black Lives Matters. You know what? It's so awesome when I was a, a, a uh, it was a, who was it? I can't think of her now, name now, a, a, a black uh, female, just beautiful lady. She said that all lives matter, and it truly does in God's eyes. But yet when you have people that are in sports or politics or Democrats or whoever is using that to destroy our country. Uh, I mean, I'm glad you guys are seeing what's happening out there, but it is going to stop. It, it, it has to stop, but it's going to be sad how it's going to stop. It truly is. Yeah. I would like to get your take on this article I read on the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBS. It says the headline was Demoralize or Demonize. Police departments face workforce crisis as law enforcement officers leave in droves. That's right. Police officers are walking away from the job in unprecedented numbers all across America. The latest example, Rochester, New York, six months after Daniel Crude, a 41-year-old black man, died after an encounter with the Rochester Police Service. The city police chief and the entire command staff announced a sudden retiring of the force. Would you encourage somebody today, this is the question, would you encourage somebody today to become a law enforcement agent in the midst of the defund police movement? Would I encourage? Yeah. I, no, I cannot do that right now because there's no support for them. I, perhaps you go to a state like Texas. When I say a state, a conservative state, I, I'm here in California, and it's, it's very liberal out here. Police officers are getting really... They're getting, I'm telling you, they're getting hit on. You're not seeing what's really happened. You're hearing about a police officer getting killed or he got into a confrontation of killing someone. Let me tell you something to make it very clear when I teach criminal justice. If I walk up to you right now and I tell you that I'm a police officer, I want you to put your hands in the air. I'm doing this for a reason. It's my safety and your safety. But let's say that you don't do that. Let's say that you keep your hands in your pocket. And I said, I want to see your hands. And you tell me you use the F word. I'm not going to sit on your TV, but you use the L, I mean, your radio or uh, Skype. You're not going to, that's what's happened today. They'll tell the police officer F you or they'll spit on them, okay? Or they provoke them, okay? You don't do that to your father at home, okay? You don't do that to any authority. It's called respect. No one's going to hurt you. It's the safety of a police officer. If he tells you to get your hands up, don't put your hands up after you destroy a building or after you just killed someone 
Look at the demonstrators out there on the streets. They go in, they destroy things. Then when a cop walks up to them, what do they do? They throw their hands on the air. Okay? That's all a fake. Yeah. So fake and evil. But a, a police officer is in a position where he cannot do anything because his hands, there's nothing in his hands. Okay? And so now the police officer is in a situation where he cannot react. All right? But if that person's got his hands in his pocket and you tell him put these hands out of his pocket, or let's say that you just, you go to a, 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 you got so excited, domestic violence. Let's say that you go to something like that. All right. And you walk up to the door. There was a shooting that was in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a, a black female. She was just graduated from IT. It's something to do with technician, medical technician. She was in a house that police officers. Okay. They entered the house. Before they did, they announced were police officers. They had a search warrant. Okay. They had information. They go in. When they do, there's someone inside the house, another male. He starts, well, he, sh he shoots at them. Okay. You don't do that. In common sense, if you're in your home and you someone scream police, police, and they come through your door and you know they're the police officers because they identify themselves as police officers, why are you going to stand there with a gun in your hand and start shooting back? That doesn't make sense. Not at all. Police officers don't do things like that. Okay? Tell you what, if you are if you got yourself in trouble and someone's going to hurt you, you definitely want a police officer to be there. Okay? You want somebody in authority to help you. Many, many years ago, okay, people say, when I travel the world, you see all these castles. You see all these forts and so on. Even America. At one time, there was no such thing as law enforcement. There was no law enforcement where you're from. People took care of each other, their communities, their neighbors, okay? And they, they're the one that took care of their, their homes, their families, their neighbors. It's a town, okay? If someone committed rape, okay, child molestation, whatever, that person doesn't live very long, okay, because the community will take care of it, okay? But we, we, we're, we've got laws, United States, and we don't need big castles to go in and have someone protect us, soldiers and so on. Uh, America was founded, and there was no law enforcement. There was only the soldiers, okay? And when the soldiers came from British, from England, what were they doing? They were, they were going to people's homes without search warrants. They were going and search people's homes, take their food, whatever. They said, enough is enough. You know, we got to have laws. And that's where the law enforcement came about to protect each other and ensure that everybody has the due process. It doesn't work that way anymore. The scale of justice, take a look at our scale of justice. It's a lady with two scales. It's supposed to be balanced. She's supposed to be colorblind, right? It's no longer, yeah. it's not like that anymore. Okay? It's beginning to tilt. All right? It's tilting towards the bad guys. Our prisons are so full, they're letting people out now. Because there's no quick justice. Ask me, ask me now, what do you think the only way we can win, win the war on drugs? The drug trafficker that's coming across, if he gets caught, okay, and that drug is killing people, he just forfeit his life. You don't take him to jail for five or six years, okay, and let him out, and he, do it, he does it again. That's why the cartels, and whether it's your country or any country, they're very severe. They have their own laws. Okay, you want to work for me? You want to smuggle drugs in the United States? If you lose drugs, you know you're going to lose your life, or you're going to lose somebody in your family. I might take your daughter, okay, if she's young enough. Okay, someone's going to pay. In the United States, it's vice versa. You get caught at the port of entry, you know, we take your dope and you go to jail, and you get three meals a day. I know. I worked in the federal prison. 
I was a correction officer. And they get and the guys that comes across couldn't speak English, they can go to school, learn English while they're in prison, three meals a day. If they want to work, we pay them so many cents an hour. All right. They get medical shots, they go anything they want. You can't do that when I go to your country or go down to Met or anywhere. You're not going to get you're not going to go to a hotel, motel six or holiday inn or uh, when you go into countries that those are jails. But in America, our jails, I mean, people told me that that came from other parts of the third world countries, or other parts of the countries. They said, wow, these, these jails are not bad at all, you know, especially the federal system. And uh, anyway, it's just that's where law enforcement came in. And now we see the collapse. But I'm telling you right now, I hope he wins because this other guy, I'm telling you, it's the people see that. The other guy, Biden, right now, he is not there. He is not there. He's been set up for a reason. I got a feeling that Obama, his administration, his former administration, what they did to President Trump uh, on this false of, uh, I mean, we're talking FBI directors. No, we're not talking. Those are powerful people, man. And and I know it's like DEA. It's not the younger guys in the middle. It's the guys at the top become powerful. They think they can get by with it. They become corrupted. Okay, and that's when the American people or any country, that's when the people's got to stand up and say enough is enough. Okay, you know, we elected you to do this and now you're corrupted. Enough is enough. Yeah. So do you think think he would win? What's that? Do you think he would win? I know in your state, definitely it's a more democratic state. But do you think he's going to win? In the, the election that's coming up. Okay, I'm gonna take, okay, yes, he's gonna win because everybody's out there, like us, like a lot of people I know in law enforcement. They, when you get these phone calls, telephone phone calls, they wanna know who you're gonna vote for. In reality, they're not, okay? There's too much hate, there's too much evil right now that's is taking place. Let me tell you why California is such a Democrat and very liberal. It's called fraud, voter fraud, okay? They finally got caught. They finally got caught. A lot of these states are finally getting caught what they've been doing. Why is Colorado is beginning to start swinging to a Democrat state? And people wonder why. That's a very conservative state. Because every time they have a close election, okay, and, and, they're, and they're waiting for ballots to come in, those are, those, are, those are fraud. And now it's been showing that. It's been coming up a lot now, but the media won't talk about it. But since his president of the United States, that's how they've been winning this thing. They could take a dead person. He can sign. He can vote. And uh, or someone else. But anyway, that's how California has been winning. Almost. That's why they're very Democrat. Trust me, California, there's a lot of conservative people here, a lot of military people here. And we all scratch our head like, what? Why are we losing that here all the time? It's because they know how the system works. The people at the top and they they're doing it in New York. They've been doing it in Colorado. Uh, These are Democrat controlled states. And that's why they're going to stay Democrat, because they know how they know how to work the system. Do you miss your time in the service being a DEA agent? Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I'm, I'm getting too old now in agent life. Uh, I've seen a lot of sad things uh, work in the world. I've seen a lot of corruption. I've seen some death. I've seen people alive. I, I just don't, it's not meant for me to do this anymore. I uh, continue the PI stuff. I just wrote another book. Uh, it's about my family. It's it's the title of that book. It's not hadn't been published yet, but uh, I, I'm on. A, I, I just 
there's something's going on with me right now. And like I said, I wrote the first book, I got the second book, and now I'm doing a third book, which has nothing to do with law enforcement. Uh, title of that book is Home is Never the Same. Home is okay. Never the Same. Because once you leave home, like you or me, you can't go back to it anymore. You can, but it's not the same. Thank you for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, www.menofpurposett.com where you can subscribe to the show via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate your message. Or if you can simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you would like to be on the show, send us an email, menofpurpose85 at gmail.com. See you next time.